Hi, everybody. This is Pete Worrell of Bigelow, and I'd like to welcome you to the Positive Enterprise Value Podcast. Here, you'll find personal, unscripted interviews with high-performing entrepreneurs from both for-profit and not-for-profit enterprises. You can find links to this, other podcasts, and other immediately useful resources on our website, which is bigelowllc.com. Today, I am happy to share with you some really fun one-on-one conversation I had recently with my friend Mike Trujillo. I've been wanting to have this conversation with Mike for a while now and broadcast it to you because he shares so much learning in it. Mike is the CEO and former owner of Associated Home Care, based in North Andover, Mass., which is the leading provider of home health aid services in the Northeast. Bigelow architected a process which provided AHC a number of different options to continue its growth through acquisition a couple of years ago. Ultimately, Mike and AHC chose to be acquired by Emeticis, a national home health care company, delivering certified nursing and hospice care to more than 360,000 patients a year. Their new game strategy dictated a need for the home aid business to complement their skilled nursing and hospice services. Mike and AHC's management team is now leading the private duty home health aid business nationally for Emeticis. Since Mike has had great experience both as a super successful entrepreneur and for the last two years as a senior operating executive at a billion dollar public company, I think he has a unique perspective. In this unscripted conversation, you'll hear his answers to what it was about his personal background that inspired him to build a home health care business in the first place. What was his intentionality about a destination for the business? How about for himself? What were some of the most interesting challenges? What changed in his personal life or his Ford's family after the acquisition? What are even some of his memorable failures? And other questions that Mike candidly answers. As are all of our podcasts at Positive Enterprise Value, this interview was unscripted and unedited except for production quality. I hope you really enjoy it. Mike, thanks for being on the Private Enterprise Value Podcast. I really, really appreciate it. I've been wanting to have this podcast with you. I think we started talking about it. Seriously, what, maybe back in December? Absolutely, yeah. I think and, it was. Yeah, and so uh, here it is. It's uh, August of 2018. And I also want to thank you so much for that fun afternoon we just had. Uh, listeners will note that uh, actually I was teaching a case for the Association of Corporate Growth, and the case was a case about Mike's business called Associated Home Care. And then at the end of teaching the case, we had the group uh, make some recommendations to the would-be owners of the business and then we pulled Mike out of the audience and said, well, actually, here is the uh, CEO and former owner of the business, the entrepreneur owner manager who made the whole thing happen, and maybe he could tell you some things. So that was a great uh, you know, hour or so after the fact of being able to give them some feedback. It was, it was extremely fun to see everyone come up with uh, very different uh, potential outcomes for the business and opportunities that we had. And the funny thing is, is many of those things we talked about internally as we were going through that process ourselves. So right. it was great to hear just kind of different people's thoughts around it as we as we got to go up on the stage and discuss it afterwards. Good, good, fun. Well, you know, I wondered today when I was looking across at you and you were asking the the, the group was asking questions of you. Uh, you're such a consummate entrepreneur. Were you always an entrepreneur as a kid? Did you think of yourself that way, or tell me about that? Yeah, um, well, that's funny, Pete. So. Early on, I mean, my my um, my grandfather and my my father and ultimately my mother um, all had uh, small businesses, and um, 
that's kind of what I grew up with. I saw that. I saw the opportunity. I saw the hard work. I saw uh, ultimately um, things pay off, and I saw things fail. What kind of businesses were they? <clears throat> um, mostly uh, the first few businesses we had that were in our family were more uh, refrigeration, um, uh, you know, kind of, uh, you know, food service businesses that you would um, – keep uh, keep things cool like walking coolers things like that yeah and uh that was really uh from the 80s into the 90s that was my father's business and and when i was in um middle to early high school i think it was probably around uh ninth grade uh my father and i opened a baseball card shop really and, yeah wow. and uh it was that was a particular passion of yours um it was. It was. Uh, he he had a good time with it, but it was it was baseball cards and it was uh, sporting goods supply, and uh, and he and he and his other business partner from the refrigeration business thought it would be kind of neat to go do this. Yeah. So so we did this, and and those guys were off running their business, and all of a sudden I was running a a, <laughs> a two shop uh, baseball cards and sporting goods supply, and uh, we did pretty well for a few years, and um, and then we didn't do well, but oh. it was you know it was a good. You know, learning on the job. It was great. What were some moments that you had that uh, either went well or didn't go well that provided a lot of learning for you? Were there a couple of memorable times? Sure. I, I learned uh, inventory management very early. Uh, <laughs> don't buy baseball gloves at the end of the baseball season. Um, you know, things that seemed, um, you know, pretty common sense now didn't really make sense in eighth and ninth grade. But um, great hands-on, though. Yeah, right? yeah. We he he was he was great about that. We 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 had uh, we had a lot of fun doing it. We knew we weren't going to make much money doing it, but um, that was definitely one of my first uh, real on-the-job experience. And did you say that was like ninth grade? That was. I, I have to go back and look, but I I'd say it had to be because one of my first real paying jobs was working for a, another small business. Uh, we used to be called Marine Exchange. I remember uh, that in yeah, Peabody. You know those guys in Peabody. Yeah, yeah. And uh, they had an amazing mail order business. Yes. Amazing mail order. And it was a mother and two sons. Um, and uh, she gave me my first real job. And I worked in inventory there and shipping and uh, watched the, the pros and cons of small business growing there. If my memory serves, um, working in inventory there must have been a bit of a challenge because, if I recall, <laughs> the inventory was sort of all over the floor and, oh my God, and everywhere, was, right? Yeah, it was so amazing. They, they, did they take in not only used equipment but, like, consignment and also had stuff that they owned? They, they literally did everything. I remember they, there was definitely some trade, uh, so definitely consignment work, but the mail order business was shockingly big for for you know thinking about how you know back today i'm thinking um maybe late 80s early 90s yeah it had to be right around there yeah. um um i remember we used to sell a tremendous amount of harkin blocks and yeah. all those different things and um but it was a great experience with you know watching these this family run this business in west peabody which i could walk to work and um it was it, you know as i think about it today again it was a small business that was really you know trying to make it Go right. And you were going to high school while you were doing that? Yeah, yeah. What kind of student were you? Not a great student. Um, I, was, uh, I was always interested in things that weren't necessarily, you know, book-related. Yeah. Um, I love to see things, how they worked. I, I, I did a tremendous amount of things um, kind of uh, that entertained me outside of schooling, but it was not, uh, really wasn't a big school or sports person as I was growing up. What kind of things entertained you out of schooling? Um, I enjoyed skiing. I uh, went to uh, Maine 
uh, all the time. Uh, my grandparents had a place in Maine. Literally, we'd go from pretty much April school vacation to Thanksgiving sometimes, uh, yeah. weekends and throughout the summers. I spent all my summers there as I was growing up when I wasn't working at Marine Exchange. Um, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I, I, I certainly learned quite a bit about people and, and really – uh, working with, you know, growing up around, you know, many elders, you know, the average age on the island at the time was, you know, they were all retired, and then there was this kid from Peabody. What so, island was this, Mike? Uh, Morse Island, French Island. Maine. Right. Wow, what a great experience. It and was. You, and you have a home there now. I do, I do, and and now my kids are growing up there like I, like, like I did, and um, my kids have iPhones, and I had kerosene <laughs> lamps, but it was... Uh, a little different back then, but it's still very different than home. So uh, as you um, went through high school and graduated from high school, what were you thinking about was in front of you for your life? I really thought, uh, when I was in high school, I think I thought I was going to you know, work with my father in refrigeration. I, yep. think, I think that was kind of my plan. Um, if I had one, that was going to be what it was. I, I really wasn't thinking about college um, beyond you know just kind of the next year or so in, in high school and so um, what did you end up doing well um, I ended up meeting my wife at a football game in Malden Massachusetts and um, and uh, she uh, talked some sense into me pretty uh, quickly that it made sense to go to college and um, and I went to college so you went to school part-time while you worked I did yeah yep. yes and uh uh, took eight years to go to go to college and finish that degree and and uh, she and I she was working full-time and I was working full-time during the day and she had graduated um, and she really was the the person supporting the family as I was going through this process that's great yeah. and what was your degree in or what is your degree in business management okay and but I think of you also as having a very uh, great grasp of uh, computer science and the technical side that that part of the of the business or that part of my brain came from um, really in the early days of associated home care. Um, you know, we we had a we had a challenge. In fact, one of my things at at uh, Salem State was you know kind of this paper this this, this imaginary business that was associated home care and how could it become paperless? Well, it's it's uh, 18 years later. I'm still working on the paperless <laughs> process. I literally have that book still. And, um, and so right, uh, I'd say, um, late 90s, I, uh, I started working with my uncle, who owned his own business as well. It was a software developer. And um, he had some great clients, and they needed help. And so I would work, you know, sometimes six hours for him in a day. I'd work for my mother three or four hours a day. I'd go to school at night. And I was kind of building this, this kind of tool belt of things that, that ultimately, as we see now, really kind of shaped what I ended up doing with my life. And Heather was working full-time, uh, sort of. Heather was definitely happen. paying the bills yeah. while I was trying to <laughs> learn what to do next. Yeah. And I could have a faulty memory on this, but do I remember that your uncle was in the business when we first met? Yeah, so, so uh, yeah, he, he went from teaching me and us working with other clients to, hey, you know, during our downtime, let's build a system for associated home care. Right. And we built the first one, and poof, what a, what a difference. And uh, then we went off and had other clients. And we come back a few years later, we had a little bit of a downtime. We said, boy, that thing looks terrible. Let's go do it again. 
and um, and really um, for about uh, 12 or 13 years he he worked he and I worked together quite a bit and as I migrated more towards the business and development and strategy he kind of anchored the technology and the software and is your uncle still with us He's still with us. Yep. Yeah. I mean, he must be pretty proud of what has happened since uh, he those is. days. Yeah. And we laugh about oh my, all the things we did and the places we went and what we wrote and what we built. Um, and now the system we run today is still a system that he he originally started. So we're still driving that bus. You know. You know. Many many years later. So I'm imagining that as you spent more and more time with Associated Home Care. You saw um, family members uh, be- behaving as uh, business owners in a certain way, and I'm imagining that you also had a certain uh, ambition, a desire, to do things in a new way, in in maybe a, a different way. Um, as you moved from employee to business owner, were there some surprises about that new role to you? I think the the biggest change. Um, well, I was young. I was very young. And most of the individuals that, that had worked for our company at the time had worked for my mother. And, um, and honestly, she was young too, but obviously much older than I was. And in that transition, the people that were dedicated to her transitioning to working with, and, and I never say for, but with me to a, to a goal, that took a long time. A um, number of people didn't necessarily believe in the, the, the direction or the strategy. You've got this kid up here with a spreadsheet that no one ever used before. And that's different. It's different thinking. So would you say you had uh, majority people turn over from your mom's time to when you became the owner of the business? We, we did have, uh, you know, our core, our, our core people stayed. And that was really out of dedication you know, to, to Nancy Aldrich, who she and I had worked together since we both came in at the same time in 1993. And ah. so she kind of solidified that workforce group while we were out behind the scenes really building out the strategy together. And ultimately, um, you know, people come and go over the years. But I, th- I think one thing we learned early on is just being as transparent as you can about the challenge and what we're trying to do. And, and those people will then go run through walls for you. And especially when the business was smaller. And it's pretty amazing because if I've got my numbers right, Mike, then you and Nancy have worked together for 25 years this year. 25 years. Yes. Her kids were smaller, well, smaller than my kids. And now my kids are, you know, getting into high school. So So, uh, help us understand. Can you describe, like, what is it about Nancy's unique ability? And I assume yours is quite different. What is it about that that makes that so powerful? Yeah. So, So Nancy's you know, her, her number one ability is to read people and make people comfortable in any setting and make people feel like no matter what it was or is, that's the challenge. It's, it's something that we can accomplish together. And it's really, it's, it's believing in every last person. I mean, she absolutely does that. Everyone knows that every day. And not that I don't, I just have a a different way of showing it. And she really relates to any individual in any of our offices and our management team. They, they, she's, She's the Pete of Associated Home Care. Anyone, they'll just go to talk to her about anything. And how would she describe your unique ability? Not that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, My ability, I think, if she were to answer that question, I think is I can take all of that uh, and kind of process it. Think about what, well, okay, what what are the three things I'm trying to hear through all of this noise? 
and can we either solve it or can we not solve it? And is it something that is going to delay us or impede us from getting to our goal? And um, I think that's why it's worked so well together, is oftentimes I may you know, read the reports, run the numbers, look at the opportunities in front of us, build out a strategy, and she can easily you know, poke a hole in it in two minutes when you start thinking about some of the drivers that drives her. And conversely, sometimes she lays out what her challenges are, and I can look at it and say, well, geez, we could just change this one thing, and this person's problem is going to go away. Yeah, that's great. It's, um, when people have different but complementary abilities like that, what I find is that actually working together is pretty challenging because you don't necessarily speak the same language. You may not even use the same vocabulary. This might be tough, you know, tough to communicate. Sometimes you wish you had people around you who thought just like you. Yet, if you can overcome those communication challenges, that those different skills coming together makes it more powerful ultimately for the client, I think, don't you? Absolutely, yeah. I remember um, I've said this many times, and I mean this with you know, the worlds of, of uh, appreciation, but my, my team has always been like the island of misfits. I joke about it all the time. Like We literally are. We have almost nothing in common on a daily basis, but... You know, I never wanted to sit with five people around a table and all agree on everything. Um, so I'd rather have a good, hearty debate about, you know, if I'm wrong, which I'm almost always wrong when it comes to Nancy and I. She'll, she'll be right. Um, but if, if I'm wrong, you know, I'd love to be proven why. And that's great. I, I, I learned something. That's, that's super. Great learning. I can handle that. Yeah. So um, if you could use a few nouns to describe what you do now... How would you describe it? Hmm. What do I do now? Oh, boy. What I do differently now, um, I'm really looking to try to control the direction. It's the, the, the strategy of the business. Um, it's very hard to affect change at a, at a low level within the business and in, in you know, the weeds. I, I can't really make those changes anymore. I, I feel like I'm almost hurting the business. I'm hurting everyone else's chances of affecting the business. So uh, was it about three years ago that we had a cap gain transaction? Yeah, two and a half years ago. Two and a half, going on three. Mm -hmm. And uh, you successfully completed that, uh, and then you took on this new role. Now, help us understand a little bit about how you would describe this new role. Uh, the role I'm in today is really, um, I have the ability to really folk, to, to control the, the direction of the business line at a large public company. And um, with that comes responsibility around really a longer vision, you know, not day-to-day -day or week-to-week, -week, um, not crisis-to-crisis. -crisis. When you own your business, that's, you're, living, you're living that every day, the goods and the bads. And not that I don't enjoy that part, but I think in my role today, my job is to make sure in the end we can build out a business line that is a full continuum for our stockholders and for our patients and for the communities and for the payers that is something special. And I really take that very seriously. Every single day I go to work, that's what I think about. And I believe that's when we had that opportunity two and a half, three years ago, that's what made us go this direction. It's, it's, it's extremely exciting. And what are the other two business lines? So we have um, the, the, the primary drivers of, of, of the company overall is, is a home health care, home health, and hospice. And uh, both of those businesses um, are thriving and doing extremely well and growing and very profitable. Uh, we're in 34 different states. And the opportunity to 
partner with a company like that that has a long history, um, that has this very well funded, that is great, amazing management, and they want to then go add a third leg of the stool, a third business line. Um, the, that kind of an opportunity doesn't happen every once, you know, it doesn't happen often, certainly may not ever happen again. And um, that to me was, was just a home run for us. And so far, it's been great. It's been really, really wonderful. Yeah, you're really one of the few, I would say, in my experience, are really a minority who has the ability to not only um, go into a business that was, uh, I mean this with the great, greatest possible affection for your mother, but it, it was underperforming, or it was, it was performing at a level that was a, a single owner-manager level, and then take it to a much more significant business and have it be performing there, but then to make the change to the public company scenario, there's not many owner-managers I've met that can do that. So uh, that's awesome. What has surprised you about your new role? I think, um, I think some of the, the biggest surprises for me is, is uh, you know, you don't realize how quickly you're making decisions and acting mm, on your quick beliefs, right? We always have... I mean, as a business in, owner? In a business owner, in the first 10 minutes, you already think you've probably solved this. Now you're just trying to create evidence to make sure you don't second-guess <laughs> yourself 50 times when it goes wrong. And in a, in a public company, um, there's, there's great checks and balances there, which are there for a reason. They're there to protect everyone, including myself. And um, I think early on, I really had a hard time with that. Um, myself and the CEO of the company have a very very exact vision of how this business will get built out and we have this uh, very good working relationship where he gives an amazing amount of uh, control and let, lets me kind of build it the way I believe it has to be built. The part that I didn't understand and I, and I really truly appreciate it today is, is the systems that are in place to make sure we're going at it the right way. Um, we have a team of you know, lawyers, we have a team of people in HR, we have a team of people in finance and I mean team, we need hundreds of people supporting our business. And that's what makes us very different when we go out to, to try to enter a state or go to a payer source and say, well, why would you want to work with us? We have the best technology in the business now. We would never be able to do that on our own. I think it's, uh, it's striking how um, you speak of the CEO and other members of the team with such great respect. It sounds like you uh, have had a lot of learning in the past uh, I 30 have. months. I have, and um, I think I think early on uh, uh, the team the team really embraced the thought the thought of us you know coming into this fold. They certainly recognized that I, I had no experience in a in a public entity outside of Associated Home Care. I had really no experience. Must have been challenging for them too. It is it, it is a, it is very very <laughs> different. Some people in, in these you know large C suite roles have been in you know corporate you know America for a long time. Um, we have a great great leadership team and uh and I, I mean that every one of us are very different and every one of us have exactly the right type of of, of skill sets to kind of succeed within our our groupings which is what makes it so interesting when we all come together say in nashville or baton rouge um we have great great you know challenging conversations which is what you want your leaders to have so uh thinking back uh two and a half years ago as we worked together, uh, Bigelow and Associated Home Care, to think about what the, a new majority investor would look like. You probably had some fears during that time. What were some of them? What were first, some of the anxieties? Yeah, first and foremost is control, right? Um, 
you go up and down when you own your own business, you're an owner manager, you know your, your whole life's on the line, but you have control of it. Um, once you sign something where you lose control, uh, especially as you're thinking through this process working with Bigelow, you realize the, the, the complexity of what you're about to do and, and the amount of, of faith you have to have. When, when, no matter what you're doing, it's going to be significantly different on the other side. And any one of our options would have been very, very different. And um, that, that, more than anything, kept me up at night. It wasn't if or when or how. It was what will, it, what will happen post-closing. It sounds like it's worked out pretty well. I'm sure it wasn't a completely straight line. I'm sure it didn't have some, it had some rocky times along the way. But it sounds like you're in a place that sounds like a really good place. I think of it as um, an amazing, you know, it's been, a, it's been a very interesting two and a half years of learning and um, compromise. And really, you know, we, we talk about integration every day. I feel like integrating any company, it takes a very, very long time because cultures are very different. You know, we've done a number of transactions before and after our, our, our close. And one of the hardest things to judge and figure out is culture. And um, I know we've talked about that before, and we, we talked about that and, and going through any, any, any acquisition very hard to read until you're pretty deep into it. Right, right. We say you hire for credentials and you fire for culture. Mm. Isn't that true? Yeah, it is. And, and we've had some major wins on culture and some real shockers. Yeah. Um, and, and it doesn't mean one culture was right or wrong. It's just, it's different. So you um, have been working really, really hard for 25 years. And in the past 25 months or 30 months, you've worked probably in a different way, physically and mentally, than you worked in the previous years. Um, you, you must get depleted at times. What do you do to recharge? Hmm. I love my beach vacations. Anything beach, water, uh, checking out with uh, Heather and the three kids, um, that's my number one. I love it. Uh, number two would be Maine, but as we know, just like living on a boat it's not always a vacation it's uh there's quite a bit of work on an island that has to be done on a daily basis so it's a it's a great passion and distraction but it's still work so beach is my first my first thing are you a workout guy do you do that at all <laughs> i wish i was a workout guy <laughs> i often pay the bills at the workout place ah, i just don't yes. go to the workout place. planet fitness favorite customer yes yes they're making money on me hand over fist absolutely so, um, you know, we think of you around here as a thought leader for us. Um, who, who do you think of as thought leaders for you? Is there anyone that you read or that you follow or that you think of that uh, inspires you? Sure. So, so Pete, obviously, um, you know, Heather and I talked about everything all the time. Right. But when it came down to, to the, the business strategy and the early days of what we're going to do next, uh, you know, Joseph Ellie, literally from 1995 until day of closing was my you know person that I, you know, my left and my right hand when it came to kind of figuring out the numbers and the book and, and the how, risk how did you meet him um interesting story uh we we originally were referred to joe uh, in 1994 when we were trying to decide if we were going to continue to put money in the business or um actually close yeah. file for bankruptcy and and um and he looked at it, and he and I looked at it for weeks and weeks on end, and lots of pencils and paper. And we, we, we came up with a strategy we thought 
would work for for a couple of years and see if we could stabilize the business. And it, during back in those days, uh, he and I would work together every week on something. We didn't have you know a CFO or any internal accountant, and that was what his role was. And he was really keep me sane. And, and he did. So was he um, your voice with the banks? Oftentimes, he and I would go together to the banks. Yeah. We would build out our story. We'd figure out who, who's saying what. He had those relationships from other clients as well, so that was helpful. And during those days, I'm thinking, Mike, uh, you know, the banking industry had its own ups and downs. And so oh, they had their absolutely. own issues. I mean, so that must have been a tough time. You must have been through a few banks. It was. It was. And we, we literally would take our show on the road, and we, were, we would see two or three banks in a day sometimes. <laughs> and, and, again, you know, you look at our business, it, it's banks weren't lining up to lend to companies that the only asset they had was their accounts receivable. And, uh, and that's really all we had. And it was a private pay accounts receivable. So it wasn't industry or guaranteed by the government or the state. It was Mary and Jane and everyone else in between. And it was a, a tough sell. But those early, those early years were really, we built this trust up until really uh, still today. He and I worked together on some other projects, but um, I really think that I learned a tremendous amount of understanding just general business metrics from him. And he, he, he meant a lot to me and still does. So a lot of the people who listen to this podcast, Mike, are um, high-performing entrepreneurs. And they probably think a lot about goals. And like you, they've achieved a lot of goals. Uh, but we also think a lot about habits that get us to those goals. What would you say are your best habits? Hmm. My best habits? Well... We don't like to be bored very often. Uh, we are always, I say we, I, I am always grinding, trying to figure out the, the next thing. Um, I can't sit very long. As much as I like the beach, beach vacation, it's, it's a couple hours and I'm, a day, a couple hours a day would be good. But after that, I'm already churning, trying to think of what the next thing is. Filling up the notebook. Yeah, I, I, I don't sit very long or I can't be calm very long. Um, but um, I also think that's, what's helped me get to where I am. Um, and I think the, other, the flip side of that is when I do try to disconnect, I, I try really, really, really hard, you know, no device, nothing, and in Maine's case, sometimes no electricity. Uh, that really helps. A few days of that really makes a big difference. Yeah, it clears the mind, doesn't it? It does, yeah. yeah. So people who listen to this podcast, again, uh, may hear you and... I'm asking you some questions, and you're answering candidly. Thank you. Uh, but they may hear about a guy who, you know, grew up uh, in an entrepreneurial family and uh, had some early jobs that were entrepreneurial and went into this business and built it into a very successful business, had a big capital gain, became a senior operating person in a big public company. Well, wow, it sounds like everything's gone right. It sounds like a string of success after success after success. But I wonder, has there also been some learning? in the form of either, you know, adversity or challenges or maybe even what you would consider to be failures. Absolutely. Some of our best learning experiences were things that we really screwed up. I mean, we, one of our early uh, transactions um, back in 2004, 2005, um, really overextended the company and myself, uh, really didn't time it well with the market that was about to collapse, and um, really almost lost everything. And, uh, boy... I was a risk. I was really a risk taker prior to that. I think I became even more of a risk taker post. 
but not without many bruises and scars. You became more of a risk taker post. Well, I think I think I realized, boy, this one surprised us. Boy, dude, we just made some real big mistakes. We didn't see see the marketplace changing as quick as we thought. Uh, we didn't understand how we were going to integrate it as well. And we were again, we were a small company. We thought we knew everything, and we didn't. And um, the fact that that one didn't take us out almost made me feel like you know. Uh, Someone told me once, if you can live with the ultimate downside, then you're good. And that was the ultimate downside, and I felt, wow, we actually made it through, barely. Um, so with all future deals, we had a really good cadence. We had a plan in place. We knew what was worst-case scenario, and we just checked the box. Can we live with that? Yes. So we knew we'd just do it. Um, and and that's really what was the launching pad for for associated from really 2009 to 2013 14 when we really grew and scaled it it was after the mistake so if i'm hearing you it uh it sounds like that was a great period of accelerated learning and you said i actually became a bigger risk taker i'm interpreting that to mean i became a bigger risk taker in certain areas yeah. educated risk right yeah. um uh, the, the early days, we, we just wanted to grow a business that was a mom and pop to just something bigger that it's still going to be a mom and pop. Um, when, we, when we became educated from our failures and realized where we had weaknesses, um, I feel like I could dial up the risk, dial up the ability to take on debt and take on some you know, true family risk you know, on my, my own you know, house or borrowing base, uh, my own, my, anything I had in the bank. I felt very comfortable with that risk, knowing that all the mistakes I had made already didn't come come back to haunt us yet. So I knew we weren't going to be that bad. That's great. Yeah, that's great. Great learning. Of course, later in life, Heather always reminds me she didn't re- realize how risky it really was. <laughs> and as we were going through our process together, uh, you know, reliving some of those stories, she realizes it now. Yeah. Heather was right alongside going through the Bigelow process. She, Absolutely. She was right there at the conference table yeah. for the she big was, decisions. I mean, she was really, a, you know, pretty much a silent business partner in the entire project. If you really think about it, think about it over the last 15 to 20 years, all the things that any business owner does, I mean, it affects their family. It affects when they can go away. It affects if they can go away. It affects if you can buy groceries sometimes. And, um, you know, I think sometimes many small businesses fail because, you know, if you're going to pick one or the other, you're going to pick your family over the business. And sometimes, you know, we were never pushed to that level. And if we were, we would have gone with family, obviously. But it was, it was a process that we lived through some hard, you know, bumps and bruises along the way. Would, uh, if, if Heather were here, uh, how would she say that her life has changed in the past 24 months, 30 months? Yeah. So her first thing she'll tell you, and I'll be the first to admit it, the difference between owning your business that's 10 miles from your house to running a division for a public company that's based out of Nashville and Baton Rouge changes your life a lot. Um, up until I sold the business, I think Heather and I had flown three times in 10 years. And there's weeks in the last two months I've flown three or four times in the week. Right. So uh, the travel is the biggest difference. Uh, I'd say that's the number one. And on the flip side of that, it's the personal pressure that, that is relieved when you have a you know, an event like that, you know, you have a liquidity event that um, those pressures and that pain and that risk and that worry is gone. But you've replaced it with, you know, it's a little bit different on the home life. And, um, you know, my kids are younger than most people who are traveling about the, 
the country, and it's a little different for me. I think that's been the hardest transition. So if you think on your experience and you are going to give some advice to, I don't know, let's say a smart, driven college student who wants to be an entrepreneur, what kind of advice do you have to give? No matter what it is, I think you have to be passionate about it. You, you might be smart. You might be able to think that it's a great business opportunity. But I feel like the ones that win, the ones that hit those you know, ultimate home runs, they just have it all, right? They have the knowledge, they have the technology, and they have this passion. And I think sometimes everyone right now is always after whatever the next big thing is going to be. And, um, and if you already know what that next big thing is, usually it's, you're probably the 10th one in. And um, I think the passion is the piece that I still have after 25 years. I, I'm, I can't wait to see what we could do in the next five years, six and, years. And, what, and how do you recommend that people find their passion? I mean, it's probably all different ways. I mean, I think it's, it's how they're brought up. It's what they believe in. Um, it's things that have affected them as they've, as they've grown older. Um, I don't know. I, I think I, I look at mine, and I, I don't know. I, I would have never said I'd be doing this a million years, <laughs> ever. I don't know how I ended up here, but this is what I do, and this is what I'm really good at. So I bet a lot of people listening to this now are thinking to themselves, I wonder what Mike is going to do next. Does Mike have a view of that? Yeah, I think, I think you know, right now uh, we've got a great uh, plan in place to continue to scale and grow a business that is an amazing opportunity. Um, I do think that I, that, I, that I have this entrepreneurial spirit that is going to, you know, I bring that to a public company every day. I, that's never going to go away. Um, and I think that we're better off for it. I think there's always a different way to think and think about things, and maybe we can improve the process. So I think short, you know, three to five, six years, I mean, I feel like we've got a great runway and opportunity at, at the company. Uh, I do also think that there's other opportunities out there that I'd love, to, you know, opportunities to look at. Um, I do think that, that I have a unique skill set that can be utilized and, and really exploited if we have the right partners. Do you ever think of investing in private companies with other young entrepreneurs? I have thought about that. We've talked with a few on the North Shore, north of Boston, about that. And mm -hmm. um, I, I've met with a number of people. Uh, I, love, I love their passion. And they're so excited to talk to me about um, what they're working on and how they're working on it and how they believe this could be the next great thing. Um, we haven't, I haven't done anything yet, but I, but I love those chances because sitting down with those guys, uh, it's amazing to see some of the things they're working on. They're, they're in school. They're working. They're trying to start businesses. It's a, there, there's amazing energy there that it's just different. You don't see that every day. Well, you're lucky to be able to access your energy, too. Do you, um, have you or do you belong to any sort of peer groups of either CEOs of businesses or other entrepreneurs? I have periodically over the last five to seven years. Uh, recently, I have not been very involved with them just, just because of the travel. Mm -hmm. um, isn't I need to do a better job of that. Is that how we met? I mean, I think we met through Jason Maxwell, right? We did, yes. And yes. Jason, at, uh, who's this founder and CEO of MassPay, uh, and I were having a coffee one day, and on the way out the door, he said, no matter what else you do, you got to call this guy right now. Yeah, yeah he, I, I just mentioned him this morning, actually, and, uh, and we were just talking about this, and, and I said, um, Jason and I saw each other at an event in Boston, and, and actually, you know, we were there with our wives, and... Um, you know, 
he said, oh, my God, Mike, what's going on? And I said, I don't know. I tell you, I, I just need, I need somebody to tell me what we should be doing next. You know, what are we doing wrong here? And he says, I've, I've got somebody I really think you should talk to. And, um, you know, Jason and I have talked about that a number of times since. And uh, and thank God he did. And because, you know, we, we're, we're all very different than we were before that. So yeah, yeah, we're very grateful to him for that. Idea yeah, too. I am. Yeah. yeah. And he was at the time one of our biggest suppliers. He, you know, he was our, I think we might've been his largest client and, uh, and he, he was a great, great guy to work with. And he and I still keep in touch all the time. And was, did you know him through a peer group? I think we did initially. Yeah. And, um, peer group and and our businesses actually shared the same uh we were in, we were on the north shore at coming center yeah so what's nice about that is you know you're, you're a huge huge um uh business uh business network within that building i mean literally it's a mall of businesses yeah and um and that's how we got together and and really he he and i you know he was driving his business and his growth and scaling his business and you know we we still talk today about you know his strategies and where he's going and um he runs a great shop. Yeah, he does. You think your kids will be entrepreneurs? Well, let's see. I have a one in three. I say at least a one in three chance that one or one of them <laughs> will be an entrepreneur. Uh, I think they they they've seen they've seen the the benefits and the and the pitfalls. And now, will they remember that you know ten years from now when it comes time to maybe do that? Um, but I do think they're very. They're very opinionated uh, individuals that that think that uh, they can probably do something better than someone else is doing it, and I think that's a cool quality to have. Um, and that generally, I bet you, will drive at least one of them into owning their own business. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, maybe uh, we sometimes underestimate how powerful like dinner table conversation is, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And if you're an entrepreneur and you and Heather talking about the business over and over, I'm imagining Absolutely. right through lots of different chapters. I mean, the kids got a master's degree in entrepreneurship right there. We uh, we have a round a round table for for five, and we have this boardroom atmosphere on a <laughs> regular basis. My kids know more about home care and the rates and the challenges and the management team than they will ever ever imagine. And um, you know, I do think I do I do think that that actually is different, right? It's it's not like the normal kind of everyone comes home from work and doesn't talk about work. Work never stopped and still doesn't, unfortunately. Fortunately, or unfortunately. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's it's, but it it is an interesting thing. I think I think the kids actually, you're right, do pick up more than you can imagine. So, uh, do you ever think about uh, what people would call traditional retirement? Not yet. No. Um, I think. Do you think is that a destination for you someday? I don't want to wish it away. Uh, I I don't think I'll ever do nothing. I would love to. You know, I'd love to be involved in multiple um, smaller businesses as I as I kind of diversify myself and think about kind of the the, the 10, 20, 30 year plans. Mm-hmm. Um, I would love to be in, involved in, in in some real estate stuff. Uh, and we're doing some we're doing some we do some rental properties now. We dabble in that. Heather and I do, and um, we have a we have a ball doing it, and it's 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 enjoyable. And then when it's not being rented we get to enjoy it. So it's actually pretty neat. Um, and so I think I would imagine that we'd be doing more of that as I kind of slow down in other areas. That's great. I agree with you, Mike. I can't see you doing a traditional retirement. My answer to that question would be no. <laughs> yeah. I, I can see you uh, evolving just you know, in some way the way you talked about. Uh, but uh, I really appreciate you being here this afternoon with Private Enterprise Value. 
I should tell people that um, when Mike and I first met, um, actually, it wasn't in Cummings Park. It was, you guys were in like some uh, knockdown strip mall. And, we were in North uh, Andover. In yeah. North Andover, yeah. yeah. It was hard to find. Yep. And it was, you were kind of in the back down at the mm-hmm. lower floor. And I remember coming back to Bigelow, and people here said to me, so, uh, because uh, it was fairly rapid from when Jason Maxwell said, gee, you should meet Mike. Maybe that was a Friday, and then you and I met, like, literally, let's say, the next Monday. Yeah. And so people here said, well, what was that all about? And what was the, the business like? And I said, um, the business was, was, was okay. And they said, and what was the industry like? And I said, the industry is, is, is tough. It's got lots of challenges. And they said, what about the CEO, the, uh, the entrepreneur, owner-manager? What was he like? I said, I bet on him yeah. any day. That's funny. Thank you, by the way. That's that's a very nice compliment. And coming from you, that means a ton to me. As you know, I think the world of you. And um, I remember that day very well myself. And I, I remember coming home and, and I, I said to Heather, I said, I, and this is before I realized about the psychologist thing. And I said, he is like this business psychologist that he, <laughs> he literally, I felt like there needed to be a couch. And, but the best thing was I felt better. And I hadn't felt better in a long time. And I thought about, you know, just our first couple hours of talking, and I realized, boy, if we can do 10% of what we just chatted about, there's some great opportunities here. And literally, this is 23 years into a process, and it was literally a two- or three-hour conversation that changed the rest of the direction of the business and my life. So thank you. That meant a lot to me. Thank you for that, and congratulations. You made it happen. We did together, actually. We... (laughs) That that last year was was definitely a all in uh, uh, Herculean effort from Bigelow and AHC. So I appreciate it.